So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley with Stallion Story Creative and Six Figure Photography. You guys, thank you so much uh, for dedicating time. I just want to say thank you to you guys. Can I just say thank you, please? Thank you so much for listening to focusing up this, this next hour on bettering your business, on bettering your photography. The entire goal of Six Figure Photography is to help you grow your photography business. Look, your salary, your income, the amount that your business will bring in in 2017 is directly related to how well you serve your clients. That is what we are all about here. Today on episode 35, I am really, really excited to bring on the show Justin and Mary Morantz. They've been uh, they've been doing this for a long time, you guys. Many of you may know Justin and Mary from Preps Creative Live, WPPI. Honestly, you threw uh, a name of a conference and I almost guarantee that they've probably keynoted at it. They're incredible at what they do, not just with their work, but with their education, uh, with the way that they treat their marriage, they treat their clients, they treat you guys as photographers with so much respect and care. I just think the world of them, and so I'm really honored to have them on the show. We're going to be talking a little bit about lighting today, which is something that we don't get an opportunity to dive into very often, Um, but we're going to be talking about off-camera lighting in a slightly different way, a way that you can use off-camera lighting uh, quickly, efficiently, and yet in a way that doesn't inherently scream off camera lighting, uh, blending it with your ambient light. And so without further ado, let's jump in and chat with Justin and Mary. Let's do this thing. Justin, Mary, welcome to the SFP podcast. Like, I don't know if you guys realize this, but I am... um, I'm so, I'm so incredibly excited to have you guys in particular here. Um, so I began shooting with my wife and we've just always looked up to you guys. And so I've never gotten the chance to tell you that, but we've always looked up to you. And so it's, it's an incredible honor. How are you doing? Uh, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, we're pretty good. We're like you. Uh, we just got back from United. Um, so we're a little jet lagged. Um, not too bad though. It's only a couple hours now. Um, but we're just kind of in this like crazy whirlwind pace for this week and next week and probably the weeks after that, but we're loving every minute of it. It's just like such a like crazy fun time. And so we're just really thankful to be hanging out on here with you and your awesome 
peeps. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this is fun. Podcast listeners, um, this is coming to you guys a little bit later than obviously than we're recording it, but we're also tuning in live with the Facebook Live community. And so we may be engaging with, uh, with a live audience as well, just in case you're listening to the recorded version. Um, so I love asking this question. Where are you guys coming in from? Like, where, where are we talking from? Where are you at? Yeah. So we just... Uh like Mary said, we just got back from United in, in Arizona, and now we are home for a day in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> We're home it. for literally 24 hours, and um, when we got our bags and the shuttle dropped us off at our car last night at the airport, we said, we'll see you in two days, because we literally in the morning go back to the same airport, probably with the same shuttle guy, and we're flying out to Memphis to the Creative at Heart conference. So, But awesome. for these 24 hours, New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. We were just at United together. Um it was incredible. I've never been a part of the show at United Community, and I was blown away um, by by the staff, by the attendees, by the speakers, by everything about it. Everyone was so inviting and loving and caring. Have you guys been a part of the United Community for uh, for very long? Yeah, I think we did our first United Conference four years ago. Is this our fourth one? That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, but we have been uh, sort of around that group of people probably since the beginning of our business, I would say. It's kind of like morphed over time from um, show it effects into kind of like more of like the past side of things and now back to just really show it, taking the reins with United. And that group of people, like the medium might change if it's like something online with their community or in person at the conference, but the heart doesn't. And I just love that about them that their first priority is making it where we're all in this together. We're all on the same level and we're just trying to help each other out. Yeah. yeah I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, Ben, when you talk about community, um, you know, show, uh, United is one of those conferences where, yes, there's a lot of great speakers. Yes. There's a lot of great information. Yes. There's a lot of great shoots, but really at the end of the day, I think the one thing that people come home with the most is that sense of community mm-hmm. and, and friendship. Awesome. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I will, 100% be back next year uh, in one way or another. Like, I don't care. I don't care how I'm getting there. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm showing up. That's all I know. And I told my wife that. I hope she gets to come back too as well. Um, okay. So you guys actually, Mary, you took the stage as a keynote. Could you talk just very briefly bullet points of what you kind of addressed? Because I think that um, there's going to be some things that we're going to end up tying into as we begin our conversation uh, about lighting. Yeah, definitely. So... Um The keynote was really about this idea of having a work ethic and where that comes from and what it means. And it sort of talks about, you know, there are all these different things that we might get really focused on um, in building a business, right? Like I think any business owner who's listening to this, maybe you guys on the Facebook Live can chime in, but it can start to feel like you're being pulled in a hundred different directions of what people are telling you you should do to market and have a successful business. And the thing is, they're all good and they're all right, you know? Uh, and so we have to kind of figure out how to prioritize. And so it was just kind of making the argument of like a brand is super important and a social media is super important and um, the experience you create for your clients and workflow. All of those things are so important, but none of those will work the way that they could work if the first core priority is not a commitment to your work, what you were created to do, the images that you give your clients, because that's the only thing they get to hold on to even after you kind of leave their lives a little bit after the wedding or shoot is over and just the legacy that we're leaving that, you know, 60 years from now, if I'm on my deathbed and somebody goes, wow, she was a really smart marketer or she was really great at Instagram. Grandma, what was Instagram? You know, um, that I I think I will not have done my job, but if somebody says she was an incredible storyteller and she told stories that impacted 
families and generations to come, then I think I can go, you know, to the beyond knowing that I fulfilled what I was here to do. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And so for you guys, lighting is a big part of that in terms of um, properly telling a story to the best of your ability to actually, and for you, just knowing you guys, I know that, okay, let me pull back a little bit. I'm always talking about caring for your clients and value, 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 and how do we show up and actually give a damn about people, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing you guys, this is one of the ways that you do it because you see your responsibility as the one to tell the story, the one to actually uh, preserve these memories for them. And so knowing your lighting, knowing your gear, understanding how to best do that is a huge part of it. Could you unpack that a little bit more for me? Yeah. So I think I don't think there's a single photographer listening right now who would think to themselves, I only want to go into a wedding and tell amazing stories and serve my clients well up until when the lighting gets bad up until the reception, up until I'm in a tough ceremony, you know, then I'll just wing it and that'll be okay. And they'll never know. I think every single photographer listening wants to be able to deliver for their clients and tell their story and capture moments and not miss moments to the absolute best of their ability. But the fear of flash and the the technical side of flash and the, the overwhelming aspect of what gear do I use when gets in the way of that. So it's not for a lack of wanting or trying. It's just for lack of having somebody come along and say, it really doesn't have to be this hard. Let me show you an easier way. We've spent 10 years figuring out an easier way. Let me cut that learning curve for you. Yeah. I love it. So even as you say that, I there there might also though be that person out there who's listening right now, they're driving the car and they're like, nope, that's me. Like I am <laughs> totally content just like doing my thing, natural light, hundred percent of the time. And and if you're listening, God bless you. Let's keep moving. <laughs> All right. So so what did that journey look like for you though? Because um right now, my goodness, like the industry, the like um, everything keeps becoming more and more accessible. And right now, I, I feel like we live in like this super golden age where mm-hmm. the barrier to entry for, for off-camera lighting is now even lower. But for you guys, um, I believe you you uh, you had mentioned that you just got through your 10-year mark. When you guys started, it probably wasn't as accessible. Can you kind of walk through the journey that it's been for you guys? Yeah, I think I, I think we were pretty fortunate because I had started actually in the photography industry, um, mm-hmm. going to school at RIT and studying advertising photography. And so I felt like that kind of gave me a slight one up, you know, 10 years ago where it was like I was able to tell stories in the photojournalistic way, but then also able to pull in uh, some of our advertising knowledge and lighting knowledge mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, just tweak those images just a little bit more and to, to really... Um, pulling those in to, to tell the stories better. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Ben, I think uh, right now it's this perfect place where people can get into the industry very easily and the equipment is very accessible. And uh, now it's just a matter of catching up in terms of learning your knowledge and mm-hmm. um, learning learning how to use the tools to, to best tell those stories. Yeah, and I think the flip side of that is that the more information that becomes ex- accessible, um, the noisier it can get and the more spread out it can get and the more there's all these different opinions about how to do it right. And it can just kind of like that too much choice is no choice at all. So you can start to live in that confusion of, well, this person says to do this and this person says never do this. And how do you decide? And so, and I also think an open barrier to, to, um, access or entry into teaching, um, off camera or, or any of the topics really, it can, um, you know, there can just be all these voices when there's not a barrier to that. And so it's kind of hard to go through and say, okay, but how do I choose my teachers wisely? Like, who do I want to listen to? And so that's one of the things that Justin and I start out with is we tell you first why we like the way that we do. 
so that you can ask yourself, does this line up with how I want to be as a photographer? And so our why in short is we never want to do anything as photographers that shines a light more on us and the cool thing photographer did Mm -hmm. than the two people in the image in the moment that's happening. Um, And, you know, we ask ourselves a good test for authenticity is when you look at one of our images lit with flash, do you see two people, the bride and the groom? Or do you see three? Do you see the bride and groom kind of as an afterthought? And then the third is this photographer and the cool thing that they made happen. Can we just stop and like talk about that for the next three hours? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I think this is so important what you're talking about. And, and, and full like honesty, I think I fall, I fall into this category quite often where I'm, I'm, I'm too concerned about myself as like, you know, the artist. Um, mm-hmm. everyone look at me, look at this cool thing that I did. Um, and, and we begin to lose it. But I love the fact that you haven't given up on Flash because of that. I think mm-hmm. that there's obviously the large trend within, um, uh, wedding industry or, or honestly any photography industry that's moved, uh, in the direction of, of tons of off camera lighting and fine art and, and awards and, and kind of like really, um, larger than life kind of stuff. And I love that you haven't said, well, then we're just not going to do any flash and we'll just keep it all natural. You've kind of found this, this different ground, this middle ground where you're still being really intentional with your flash. You're still, um, you're still showing up and knowing your gear and lighting things beautifully. Um, but you're focused on your client. How are you doing that? Yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes you just have to have that ability to say, um, am I focused when I'm making choices on, um, what I'm doing with my business. Am I focused on what works today and what's trendy and popular today and what might win awards or get featured or be on the blogs today? Or am I pushing the button with a long haul view of 60 years from now? Am I pushing the button with the thought in mind? Is it more important to me that I am impressive now or more important to me that I am impactful for a generation to come? And so Justin and I kind of live and breathe this stuff. I know it's sort of like deep thoughts, um, deep and, you know, meaningful. And, uh, let's, let's ponder our whole, like Ricky Bob, no, not Ricky Bobby, the guy on uh, walk hard. He's like, I got to think about my whole life before I go on stage. <laughs> um, we kind of think about that. We have to think about our whole life before we push the button. Um, but I honestly, with every part of who I am, believe that like, I know, and partly because of stuff we did when we were first getting started with just being really trendy with our actions or whatever. I've seen that become irrelevant in just a matter of a couple years. Mm -hmm. So I know if we really want a body of work that goes the distance, then we have to be willing to have the strength to resist the tides of what's trendy now and say, 60 years from now, will this matter? 60 years from now, will this still be as relevant and as beautiful as the moment and the day that I took it? Because 60 years from now, there's a very good chance that as one of them starts to pass away, it will be my work that the other one is the first thing they run to grab a hold of. And that kids and grandkids also keep in their homes to remember that whatever their family was, it started with love. I love that. And I love the. I mean... You know, we're always talking about value, value, value. Even six-figure photography is all about the correlation with um, your income being directly tied to how well you serve your clients, how well you serve clients. Um, and as you say that, you're communicating. I'm like, I'm like, I want to be your groom. Well, that made me sound like I want to marry you. Hold on, let me. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, I love you if you're listening. Um, no, so, but I, I. I hear that. I hear the passion in your voice. I hear the way that you're talking about this. And I, I can tell that you walk the walk, that you truly believe in this. And it, and it, 
it just communicated so much value to me. It truly communicated so much value to me rather than if you were to be like, look at this amazing photograph that I took, you know, with like me and a mountain with like a flash going off behind me or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, and so I understand that. And I think there's something that's truly, truly powerful about this. And it's no wonder why you've gotten to the place that you've gotten. Um, yeah, I, I just had to, I had to acknowledge that because I started to get like these little tiny goosebumps <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all over. So, so let's kind of transition to talking about the practicality of this because we could talk all day about high level stuff, high level stuff, um, and inspiring people towards doing this. But I, I think we would be doing a disservice if we don't actually start to address some of the things that you're thinking about. So, man, where do we begin, Justin? Where do we begin, Mary? Yeah, I think, um, I think a good place to begin is to say, you know, what are, what are the fears that people have when talking about lighting or starting to use lighting? And I think one of the biggest fears that um, we hear from a lot of uh, the photographers that we talk to and, and coach and do and see in mentoring sessions and workshop is that uh, they, they fear having it look too flashy, having it look too fake and it not fitting in with the beautiful light and airy style that they have the rest of the wedding day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of pain points I think photographers have with flash and some of them are, you know, uh, is it going to take too long? Is it going to be obtrusive? Um, am I going to be able to dial in my settings fast? Why are the results inconsistent? Um, am I going to feel like, and do I feel like kind of like a little bit of a, we call it the imposter syndrome. Like I'm charging a certain amount and I have this beautiful brand, but as soon as like we're behind the, the curtain of that perfectly curated gallery, the reception images look very different or the mm -hmm. dark ceremonies look very different. And so they mm -hmm. kind of feel like I'm sort of winging it and I'm faking it. And I know there's something better for my clients. Um, but I think all of it, if like you go through all those pain points, the biggest one is I just can't fall in love with the look of it. Cause it just feels like I'm going along, I'm going along, I'm going along. And then flash was added to the equation. And that resonates with us so much because of that why that we talked about. Do I see two people or do I see three? And so on a practical level, we have spent a decade figuring out the exact steps that you can do quick because you got to do it fast on I a wedding day, right? Yeah. It is like the approximate pace of a wedding day is ah! <laughs> um, And so we, how do you do that fast? How do you make it look as natural? Like it might may have just been a window in the room or the candlelight in the room or the street lamp on the sidewalk at night. Where there's, we always call it the alternate story, the second story. Can the viewer look at your image and at least tell themselves a story that doesn't involve photographer adding flash? So that's kind of the the biggest goal I would say is making it natural. Yeah. So I think I think you're right. I think falling in love with the the look of it is something that's a, definitely an internal kind of uh, wrestling match. And then there's the practicality of it all of of not just how do I learn it, right? Like that's one thing, but how do I actually do it efficiently and quickly mm -hmm. on a wedding day without carrying around like all these like light stands. And mm -hmm. yeah, have you guys seen that, like that photograph that like went around for a while, like um, this guy who's at like a, I don't know, he's in some sort of environment outside. And he's got like all these flashes attached <laughs> to him from like four different yes. areas, <laughs> like a backpack of flashes stands and everything is <laughs> sticking off of him. Um, I, yeah, I totally relate. You know, it's funny. Um, I get a chance to, to connect with photographers and ask them what's one of their biggest struggles. And, and a lot of times, um, there's questions about like, you know, um, understanding where to be on the day, understanding, um, what's important to shoot. How do I capture genuine moments? Um, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like all that comes back to just like knowing your gear. Like, yeah. I think that your gear should be the, the easiest part of a wedding day. Of all the difficulties you're going to have, the gear should be the last thing that you should be fumbling around with. And so let's talk about that. Maybe let's talk about speed for a hot second. Uh, maybe because I want to. I want to know. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
is it okay? How about we, how about we do this? Can I like walk you into a situation that many photographers probably encounter? And can I hear what you would do to address it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I love okay, it. cool. Like I think receptions, quiz. I think receptions is like the hot one, right? That, that we all have to deal with. We all have to encounter. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so let's say it's been a, a beautiful, what are we in November now? Let's, well, yeah. let's pretend it's a beautiful November day. Okay. <laughs> let's use our imaginations, people. Um, so let's pretend it's a beautiful November day. We walk in, uh, to the reception and we have, 20 foot i'm in ohio right we've got a 20 foot lofted barn ceiling just mm-hmm. like raw wood yeah. what do you do you know oh, love it let me ask you one quick question let's hear is there a balcony in the barn <laughs> or like a or like a higher you, level or loft? um so, sure why not All sure right. man this can we can share this fantasy All right. <laughs> <laughs> well then it gets a little bit easier which is kind of nice i think uh there's a couple things you should do um when you're walking into any situation, whether it be a barn or a ballroom, and that's uh, first of all to look around and say, what is the light in here already doing? What is the ambient light in the room like, mm-hmm. uh, both in intensity and in color? And then you have to make a decision of say, do I want to include that ambient light or do I want to cut out that a- ambient light or do I want to do some hybrid between mm-hmm. the two? So I think once you make that assessment, then you can say, okay, now I'm going to introduce my own light. I'm going to bring in my own flash whether it be a softbox or an umbrella uh, modified, um, where am I going to place that light? Well, let's even like take a pause from that. Yeah. And the first question probably a lot of people are having is, I know that I'm like, I've heard that I'm not really supposed to bounce in a barn, but I'm not really sure. Like, I know that I don't like the results, but like what's going on. That's really like, there are a couple of things that happen when you put a flash on your camera in a barn and you try to bounce it. And there are, they are the following. The first is that all of your images start to look super orange or red. And you're like, what is happening right now? The second is that your flash starts to overheat really quickly or your batteries die really mm-hmm. fast. The third is that the background starts to just get really like flashy looking, like it's just so much light in the room. And the reason for all this is that the light is going up. It's hitting the wood walls, the wood ceiling of the barn, and it's coming back in. And that color is being picked up by the flash. The flash is almost like this um, neutral thing that can be dyed by whatever it touches. And so that warm orangey tone is coming back in. And because it has to bounce all the way up into the ceiling, bounce off something really dark and then come all the way back down, your flash is just working too hard and you're going to overheat or your batteries are going to die. And it always happens at the worst moment, like father of the bride dance or like, you know, first dance or toast or what have you. You're running to go swap batteries when you're missing the emotional moment. I and love so- it. Good rule is don't bounce in a barn. Yeah. yeah. So I've got sorry. like real quick, I, I own like three flashes that the entire surface is just like a melted pool of plastic. <laughs> I want to go like run and grab them. I don't want to slip away, but yeah. Um, so I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Justin, what were you about to say, my man? Yeah. So, so going along with what Mary said, if we decide we're not going to be using our bounce flash on camera, then the question becomes, where does our light actually come from? And so in that case, we're going to turn to an off camera setup. Um, Mary and I, we use a couple different types of lights and a couple different types of modifiers. But in general, if I, if I could say one thing, I would say it would be, uh, like a basic one light setup would just be like a simple stand, uh, speed light an off camera trigger, whether you're using the built-ins on like the 600 EXRT or if you're using something like pocket wizards, <laughs> we're actually Nikon shooters, so we don't have that luxury uh, just yet. But, <laughs> um, so if you're using some sort of trigger to, to fire that and then, again going back to not making it look too flashy is we're going to modify that light to make it look more natural make it look more like a window and in a barn i actually think the soft box is probably a better way to go so this way some of that light isn't kicking back off the off of that warm wood 
So let's break that down a couple ways, Jay. Um, why does it make it feel more natural with a modifier? Well, I think when you're working with a modifier, like a softbox or umbrella, you're making the light source actually a larger light. And when you talk about a larger light, you're looking at softer transitions between that highlight and shadow. So it's going to look a lot more like there was a window up there rather than just mm-hmm. a tiny little pin light. And an umbrella can work as long as you're not getting that kickback of light that Justin talked about. Um, because it's going to have more throw in the room, we would say umbrellas are a little more forgiving because they're, if you think about how they're shaped, they're like a giant hug of light. It's so true. Um, I love my umbrellas, my resistance. Yeah. Just like, just like throw it out. It's all good. You want to dance over there? You go, girl. You dance yeah, over there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of forgiveness with an umbrella. And in the beginning, when you're starting with off camera flash, that, you know, it might be worth sacrificing a little bit of that kickback of color, Great. just have more forgiveness. So that could be a good starting point. But the kickback that Justin is talking about is if that umbrella is kind of up against some of the wood in the, the say, the balcony, then a lot of that light is going forward through the umbrella, but some of it is going to be thrown backwards. It's going to hit the umbrella and back, bounce back off the wood and then into your image. And you'll still get some of that red and orange. But I think forgiveness first, right, with the umbrella. And then as you become like a total pro, then you can get really, like Justin, you can get really like, picky about your light and say, now I'm ready for the softbox because it's blacked out on all the other sides. You don't see that kickback. Love it. Um, okay. So uh, what are some of your favorite, I know you just talked about, you know, your modifiers, things like that. I mean, I'm, I am curious. I think that, you know, as a photographer, when we start looking at, you know, softboxes and even honestly, even light stands, umbrellas, even I'm like, how are there this many umbrellas? Oh Yes. Um, do you have any go-tos that you're like, I think, I think this is one that I, I found to be, you know, tried and true. I just think there's yeah. so much, there's so much out there and honestly the prices range so much too. And oh, uh, I'm kind of so curious. True. Yeah, no, it's so true. There's the full spectrum, just like almost anything in the world that you have uh super cheap umbrellas and you have super expensive umbrellas and you have super cheap light stands and you have super expensive light stands. And I think, um, I've always found that when you're investing in something like, a stand where you really don't want it to fall over and, and break even more expensive gear. It's or better people. to or hit grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Liability insurance. Get yeah. used to day. <laughs> Million dollar policy. Then it's better to invest in something a little bit stronger, a little more sturdy. So I've actually found the Avenger line of collapsible stands to be really nice. Uh, Manfrotto also makes a really nice product too. Um, but something that can collapse and be easy to transport, but then also when it's set up, be nice and strong and stable. Um, in terms of modifiers, uh, we, I've had every kind of umbrella you can imagine. Um, and I found that we actually love the Profoto umbrellas for a couple of reasons. One, they're built really well and they last a lot longer than the older ones. And two, they come in these little, like, uh, slip cases. So they stay clean and white, which I don't know about you, but when we're traveling or throwing stuff in the car, that makes such a difference when you're like, yeah actually have a white umbrella your white umbrella becomes very yellow over time and that in and of itself can become a color cast <laughs> that you have to deal with um but yeah we love uh we always love to clarify this we don't get um paid sadly by Profoto to say we love their stuff but we really I do. do love them yeah. and we've used them for years and what's great about them is they everybody thinks the Profoto is having like the really um advanced or expensive uh b1 b2 um kind of lights but they also make a lot of modifiers just for speed lights so they have speed rings that can work with the flash you already have because in the beginning of learning flash we're all about saying let's make the most with the gear you have and as you get comfortable with that then we can start to move on nice that's awesome okay so i want to transition i think that um i think reception is one that that is discussed all the time. Um, but I kind of want to hear from you guys because I think you're also really gifted at using off camera lighting in a time when, uh, and in a way that's even, even more subtle, right? And so could you talk maybe a little bit about 
when you guys decide to actually incorporate um, off-camera lighting, like in a, in a normal like daytime setting or mm-hmm. or yeah. bridal session, I don't know. Choose any time. I would you love like. to talk about that, yeah, you Mary. You're all over that one. Go get it, girl. <laughs> I so I tend to be the one who shoots the bridal details, and um, for you know, for years it was like, oh gosh, I got to find a window that works, and you think you have a window and you pull back the curtain and there's a brick wall behind it and then your heart is racing or you find a window and you sit down and you start shooting and you're like you're like why does this look so terrible why is the you know why does everything look green and you have sun bouncing off grass or a red barn across the way and there are crazy color casts coming in and it's just not working and so um I always tell people that when they start to learn lighting from us they're going to love us hate us so they're going to love us because we're going to show them how to get the most beautiful uh, natural light from a flash and they're going to hate us because we're going to start to teach them to notice all the times when natural light is bad. <laughs> yep. Change starts um, with awareness, man. Change starts yeah. with awareness. <laughs> yes. Truly. Whereas GI Joe said, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I would say that at this point in our career and just in the last season of weddings, we actually broke out our off camera flash. This is crazy to people probably hearing this for the first time. We broke it out in getting ready situations to light the bridal details at about 75 or 80% of our weddings this year, because either the room didn't have a window or it had a window and not enough light was coming through, or it had a window and color casts were coming through. And so what's cool about that is you can literally take, we call our lighting setup, the 32nd light setup. Let's be generous and say it takes you three minutes to set it up and dial in your settings. But you can then shoot every single one of those details and they will have the most clean, beautiful, one direction of light. You can manage the contrast. You can manage the size of the light. And every one of those details will be exposed exactly the same. So they are a breeze to edit um, when you get back home. And that's a huge part of what why we're teaching this course, why we're why we do what we do is because when you get it right in camera, when you take three minutes of time on a wedding day, this is not an overstatement to say it can translate to hours on the back end of not trying to make that green tone and the shadows go away. Yeah. Can I, can I inject here for a quick second? Because I, I'm always trying to get inside of um, my audience's head. And, and as you're listening right now, you might be thinking to yourself like, damn, 75% of the weddings, they were using off camera light on like shoes or like (laughs) earring, you know, like on these things that, that you might be listening and thinking to yourself, that seems like, um, an unnecessary thing to be doing. Mm. And I guess I want to, I want to push back for a minute. I want to push back. If you're thinking that, if that's going through your head, if you're stewing on yourself and you're, you're sitting there, you're like, this doesn't matter that much. No one really cares that much. Um, because Mary, you said something on stage at United that has held true or, or that rang true to me. And I want to revoice it. And then I'd love for you to just pounce on it and, and just go all over it. But you said, um, you said this, like, they might not know, but you mm. will know. Like, yes. you'll know. It's excellence. It's work ethic. It's like, you want to learn how to be a $10,000 wedding photographer, you lend, like, give a damn at every single moment. Or even if it's yeah. not a $10,000, maybe it's just for you three or four or five. Um, but this stuff really matters. And so can you, can you talk about that statement one more time? Because man, I just think that there's so many photographers that are out there that are cutting corners because they believe mm. that no one else will notice. Yes. Um, and it has so much more to do, uh, with just your images it has to do with your life at that point. But okay, mm-hmm. I digress. Go ahead. No, I, yes, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm like, hell yes, all of this. <laughs> so, uh, very, very quickly, I told a story at the talk in United about how when I was little, I went with my mom and my grandma to help clean, um, 
uh, a business because they were, they cleaned houses for a living. And I tried to cut corners by like only rinsing the dishes rather than actually washing them. And they immediately were all over it and made this very little young, like four year old me, um, redo every one of them. So work ethic was instilled in me at a very young age. And there are a couple of different parts of that question. The first is why do we care so much about the shoes of the time or the, the jewelry of the time or the dress of the time? And we had to ask ourselves the same strong why questions. Like if this is our powerful why about moments and generations and stories, why do we care so much about the shoes that she's wearing that day? And I processed it and thought about it because I have a, a BA and a mass, an MA in philosophy. And I studied philosophy of law when I was in law school. So I think way too much. Um, and what I came up with is that the fashions of the time form just as much of the nostalgia and the history as even when they're intertwined, they complete the story as the moments. Moments are most important, but that stuff fills in the gaps. And, and ultimately what you said, I am on a mission next year to eliminate the statement in our industry that your clients will never know because it's not about well, they know, you'll know. And integrity is doing what is right because we believe it to be right regardless of who's looking. And honestly, it's just such an easy, quick fix that once you get that dialed in, if, if I promised you right now that you could fix that in three minutes, why wouldn't you? Sure. Why wouldn't you do that for your clients? Um, and then you take that and you expand it throughout the day because it's really easy to go, ah, you know, I'll just dial up my ISO and I'll fix it later in Lightroom with the getting ready the details and then the dress going on and then the, Oh, the ceremony is scary. And then pretty soon you're driving home that day with an entire wedding that, you know, you're going to spend the next week or two weeks or six weeks, depending on your workflow, fixing the choices you just made. Yeah. I get, um, you know, I, one of the things to hear all the time from photographers is that one of their biggest struggles is confidence. One of their biggest struggles is self-esteem. One of the biggest struggles is believing that they're worth charging a certain amount. And, um, Honestly, I think this is also ties so closely to that. Like when you know, when you know your gear, when you know how to light something, when you know that you've done the job right, right? There's mm-hmm. a, there's a confidence that comes with it. There's a self esteem boost that comes with this. You get to yeah. hold your head ha- high, knowing that you did it right. And um, and it's it's a simple thing, but I think it will do um great great efforts towards towards your towards your confidence and then in turn mm-hmm. your your inquiries your clients who you're attracting who you're not attracting what you can charge i mean it's a trickle effect uh that goes far beyond how do i light a shoe um yeah. so anyhow okay so yeah uh, go ahead uh, sorry if i could just add to that really quickly is that um i f- i feel like we're at this really interesting because Justin and I have been around for 10 years. So we have literally gotten to watch all of the transitions that have happened in a decade. And we're at this really interesting juncture in our industry. So in the very beginning when we were starting, it was all about the very old school, you know, wore the medals to the meetings. Like, what is your training? What is your, what are your awards? That side of things. <clears throat> um, and there was no accessibility for people who had not gone to school for photography and didn't have the medals and the awards. And then there was this big shift the other direction of people coming in and there was this pride in being self-taught as you should be. Mm-hmm. Like that is a hard thing to teach yourself. Yeah. But we're at this kind of interesting place. And I love this because Justin went to school for photography and I didn't, I learned from him. And so there, you know, it's kind of self-taught or we call it the Justin school of photography. So we have both sides of it. And what I love about that is right now, there's a whole generation of photographers who are getting left behind because they're self-taught. But when they go into the forums, when they go into the groups, when they go into the meetups, they are terrified to say what they don't know. Because the second they tried before, they were made to feel dumb and stupid and small. And what we know is people are not born 
knowing how to use their flash. That's why you go to school for it. Or now in this generation, that's why you learn from teachers who are specializing in that. Mm -hmm. And so what the danger is, if nobody steps up and goes, look, you don't know this and it's okay that you don't know this, but let's fix it. Let's fix it together. Because if we don't do that, then we just continue trying to slap Lightroom presets on it to fix it or crank your ISO or move sliders around in Lightroom. And that entire generation of photographers is being left a little bit behind, but even more important to us, their couples and their stories yeah. and their families are being left behind. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I'm so thankful for you guys. I am. Um, so we just went off on a huge rabbit trail and I love yeah. it. It was a great, <laughs> it was a great trail. Okay. Um, truly though, it was an amazing one, but we were talking then now back to the practicality of it all about lighting and you were talking about lighting details and lighting in the morning. Um, so can you unpack that now in a similar way that you were talking about receptions in terms of things that you're thinking about when you're actually getting out your equipment? Yeah. So, um, absolutely. I'm going to totally do that. And then just as like a quick reference for you guys who are listening at home, if you want to very quickly pull up our blog, it's very easy. Justin and Mary blog. There'll be in the show notes there too. Um, and then at the bottom, just search for mixed light. It's going to pull up a, a post mixed light. It's going to pull up a post where we literally walk you through. We were shooting in a botanical garden in Texas um, and we're shooting these shoes and we show you the, the first shot, the natural light shot. We show you the setup and then we show you the end result. And it's pretty, I think, pretty astounding. Nice. Um, and so the really basic setup for how we, there's another one that's included in there. You'll see in a different post. It's like the shoes being shot on like a pool table in a mustard yellow a cabin in Vermont. Um, but the basic setup uh, is uh, a one light setup off to one side. So that's stand, flash, trigger, softbox, or umbrella. <clears throat> Do we have a preference on that there? Depends on what you're in. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, a reflector. And so we're managing the size of the light source with the modifier, and we're lowering the contrast with the reflector. Nice. I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's actually a pretty simple setup. It looks probably a little bit more complicated in the picture online, only because we had a whole bunch of <laughs> other like stuff it, like with there. all these diagrams. But a, uh, like Mary said, <laughs> it, it yeah. is it can actually be a very very simple setup. You can do it with a speed light um, and a simple modifier, and just using that as a window. Uh, Mary and I we love dimension in our images, and so we're we're drawing those angles to to create these ninety. 90 degree angles a lot of times for the shoes where we show off a lot of dimension. You have this pattern of highlights and shadows that rakes across the image and really shows off all the detail of mm -hmm. little things like shoes and jewelry. Mm -hmm. And then, like Mary said, we're using a reflector or if you don't have a reflector, a really good way to go. A lot of times you're in a hotel room or a bedroom shooting these things is just grab like a white pillow, mm -hmm. right? White pillow, white pillowcase off to the side um, to help fill in some of the shadows. And you'll have the clean light coming out of the flash going through the modifier and then bouncing off that pillow and filling in the shadows. Yeah, but the two biggest factors, if you want your flash to feel more like it could have been a window light, and when you look at that post, you're going to look at it and see just how soft, just how light, just how airy it is. Like, it really does look like window light. Mm -hmm. Not dramatic window light, but like, I am light and airy in every aspect yeah. uh, window light. Uh, the two biggest factors are going to be the size of the light source. A lot of times when we talk about light being harsh, we think we're talking about contrast, but we're actually talking about a small light source. Think about shooting a first look in August at high noon. It's because the sun is generally pretty big, I hear, um, but at that time of day, it's acting pretty small. And then the other side is just managing that contrast, filling in the shadows by bringing in either an actual reflector or a found reflector like the pillow. I love it. This is one of those things that, you know, it's such a visual thing. Uh, uh, there's such a visual component to it. So we'll make sure to get direct links to each of those articles down the show notes for you guys uh, to take a look at exactly what they're talking about. Um, if it's okay with you, Justin, Mary, can I take like 
a couple hot seconds just to like thank someone out there. Um, there's there's a few supporters of the SFP podcast, um, and there's one in particular that uh, I love, uh, and I love what they stand for. Um, you guys are you guys are big believers in print, right? Like the importance mm-hmm. oh, yeah. of physical. Products okay, cool, sweet. I'm like yeah. glad. Like sometimes I've asked this question by the way to people, and they've been like, "Not really." I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> come on, <laughs> get, get your act together." Yeah, um, no, I don't think we. Yeah, we're like everything we stand for with legacy and generations that requires something to actually hand down. I love it. All right, sweet. So Miller's Miller's is the lab that um, that I use, and they've just been such a, a huge supporter of the SFP podcast, a huge supporter of myself and and our studio. Honestly, our clients. Um, like it, it's interesting how it trickles down. Like I don't just believe in them because they take care of me i believe in them because they take care of our clients and so um i said to say thank you to them they're they're incredible um and and they love they love you guys they love the audience and so they're offering 25% off their signature albums um and so use the coupon code s i mean 25 that's like that's a lot <laughs> like i'm talking like really freaking nice album. so sfp25 uh is the coupon code sfp25 uh to get 25% off their their albums use their um their they have like a free designer pro software so use it um they're man they're so good actually literally Justin Mary before i left for this interview um an album arrived on our door step today that we ordered on Wednesday. Insane. They're so wow. incredibly fast. That's uh, incredible. It, no, truly, truly. They're so incredibly fast. And uh, normally I drop ship because I know that they're going to show up amazing. Um, uh, this one, uh, we, we ended up uh, getting a chance to, uh, to grab to take directly to our client, but they're, they're incredibly quick, efficient. Um, they're, they look amazing. And, and the, I guess just the people give a damn. Like I, it always comes back to that. It always, and this is why I responded so well to United showing up at uh, show at United conference. It's like the conference was great, uh, but man, the people behind it is is what really made it. And that's how I feel about Miller. So okay, thanks guys. I just had to say it. Um, I appreciate you giving me the time, Justin, and Mary, to to give them a little love there. So yeah. Um, okay, cool. So all right, you guys. <laughs> what, were you, what were you saying, Mary? I said I want to check them out now. That sounds amazing. Please do. Wednesday I mean, again, twenty five percent off an album is just insane. Oh man! All right, so we just we already hit on a couple of things in terms of setups. Um, when you're trying to to get your your flash to look like window light, you talked about contrast. You talked about um, size. Um, yeah. I feel like when, when photographers are looking at flash, they're thinking so much about speed lights, right? Uh, Canon 600s or Nikon, whatever they're called, <laughs> or off brand like Young Lows or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, when you're talking about this kind of stuff, does that mean that you need to start looking at like bigger flash setups, like going in the direction of like, you know, a big D1000 Air from Profoto or the B2s or, or, or can you do it small? Talk about that. Oh, can I just tell this story? I just got to tell a quick story. Okay. I'm going to tell it super fast, but it is my favorite story um, about us with flash. And that is, um, we always kind of tell this in the context of people assume that flash is for receptions. And for Justin and I, it was the opposite. We we're looking at a lot of, you know, Annie Leibowitz's work. We're, of course, like, I like everybody a fan of her stuff. Um, and a lot of just, like, Vanity Fair catalogs. And we started thinking, catalogs? <laughs> That's not what I it is. You. Magazines. I got you. Um, and so we started thinking about, like, we got the book um, At Work, which was from Annie. And she's got these five giant softboxes shooting all the portraits. And we were first sad because there was no way we could afford five giant softboxes. And then we realized, start with what you have and build from there. And so at our very next wedding, we stopped at Ritz Camera and bought a $20 shoot-through umbrella. And we were on our way to this west this uh, wedding. It was in Romance, West Virginia. You can't make that stuff up. Seriously. Romance, West Virginia. And the wedding was supposed to be all outside. So we didn't think we were even going to get to break out the flash. It was like ceremony outside, details, reception, all outside under the stars. 
Um, under the stars, probably we would have. Um, but what happened is that they got a crazy storm and it rained so hard that the road to the ceremony got washed out. And so at the very last minute, everything got moved inside. Details, ceremony, family portraits, bridal party portraits, their portraits. Their entire set of portraits happened inside. And we had this $20 shoot-through umbrella in the car that, thank God, we bought on the way down. And we did not even have triggers or a light stand with us. So I was the human light stand, and we synced ourselves together with two curly Q sync cords. Yes. Um, and I kind of swung around and created these angles, and Justin shot. And because we could kind of like MacGyver it at the last second, we were able to save their wedding. We would have ruined or messed up that wedding otherwise. And um, so all of that to say, we have such a heart for, because we know what it's like to wish that you had this kind of gear, but you can't afford that. you got to feed your kids. <laughs> you got to feed your dogs. That's really important. They like that. Um, and so everything, every single thing that we teach can be done with a speed light, a reflector, an umbrella. We do believe people should have a softbox. That's important for uplighting and portraits at night. Um, a stand and triggers of yep. some variety. Nice. It's yeah, we do. Go ahead, Justin. Oh, I was gonna say we, you know, we do shoot a lot of our weddings using pro photo lights. Mm-hmm. So we we have B ones and B twos, and I think they're amazing. But like I said, every single thing that we do could be replicated with a, a speed light. Yeah. The only advantage that the pro photo would give us is we have increased um, power, power, recycling. and recycling times. Those are like the, the two big ones. I, I can also control it from the camera a little bit faster. But those are things that just hone in your ability to capture things quickly. Whereas if you're doing something in the moment, like if you if you plan, if you practice, if you're set up for it, you can do exactly the same thing yeah. with a with a couple hundred dollars speed light. Yeah, we always joke this is kind of like the uh, unflash flash. Of course. Like the, if you <laughs> no, don't, if you that. wish there wasn't flash, but you you know, if you want somebody to look at it and never guess, never be able to go, oh flash, oh flash. And so one of our favorite things to do is to put up two images and say which one was flash, and people guess the other one, and it was actually the one that looked more natural. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys ever get into using um, like off-camera video light at all? Uh, we don't, um, probably for a couple reasons. Uh, the first being that as a constant light, it can be a little bit more distracting on a wedding day. And yep. um, I feel like the flash, especially being off-camera, is a little bit more unobtrusive than having a constant light on. And then the second issue is that uh, you're sometimes limited with the size of that light source. So it doesn't give you quite as natural of a look because you can't go with a large... I mean, they do make, obviously, large LED video lights, but um, yeah. you usually don't see those on the wedding days. Yeah, that's that's totally valid. Size, distraction, the, you know, the video guy. By mm-hmm. the way, I've, I've made the statement before on the podcast and just like <laughs> in writing a video guy. I say that with love because I am a video guy as well. But, yeah. and I know how it is. Like I've been that guy in the dance where like running around with like the camera with the LED panel on top. Um, yeah. Just like um, getting in everyone's face. Well, and, and they <laughs> don't have that. They don't have the luxury that we do. Like they yes, can just know, pop a strobe. It would be like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in their video, which, you know, could work, I guess, for a certain, <laughs> for a certain wedding. Uh, the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that would fall into. The like people who like to party. I feel like we've had some of those. Uh, the dancers, the dancers, the people who like to get down on the dance floor. But other than that, you know, they don't have that choice, but we do. We have that luxury to say, I'm going to disconnect this little pop of flash way off in the corner and I'm across the room. And that's the question we get a lot too is can that light really reach across the room? And it can. Um, a good ISO, a little pop of flash to keep it feeling really natural. Like I always tell people, Come on, it's literally traveling at the speed of light. So we can reach wide parts of the room and it's always disconnected from what we're doing. So people don't remember our light in the corner. They remember we were really nice and we were really unobtrusive and we 
told the story well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of action steps. I think um, I think obviously one of the big action steps is going to be as you're listening to this uh, to go down to the show notes and actually click through to your blog post to actually see what you guys are doing there. Um, I know that you also have um, some training that you're going to be doing next week as well uh, with like an online workshop for free mm-hmm. for people, which is like, I'm going to show up. I can't. I mean... You can never stop learning, everyone, right? That's why you listen to the podcast yeah. right now. But apart from apart from those action steps that we can take, um, if if someone is listening right now, they're taking this in, they're maybe not a huge fan of images being too flashy, um, and and they're they're new to it. They don't understand all the ins and outs. Um, what's something that someone can do to actually begin to start taking steps uh, towards incorporating flash into their workflow? Uh, next season or, or who knows, maybe it's next, next weekend. Yeah. Well, I think what's kind of cool. And I was thinking about this as we were talking is um, we have a gallery because we get asked a lot to share images, whether it's for, Oh gosh, like we're doing like a, an online blog and we need some images to pull from or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so we have a gallery called J and M 50 best images. Mm-hmm. And as you go through, you know, what's on our site or what's in that gallery of the most iconic images, the most well-known images, what we're most associated with, almost all of them are shot with flash. And a lot of them don't look that way. A lot of them don't look like, okay, clearly flash. Um, But they are iconic for us because they are images that not a lot of people capture because not a lot of people will pause to take the time to learn their craft, Mm -hmm. to learn their lighting. And so I think just the fact that you're on this podcast and you're listening and you're committed to education and you can never stop learning and you're committed to getting better. I think that's like step one. And when your heart is right with that, the other stuff will continue to follow. You'll continue to absorb from people. You'll continue to figure out who you resonate with as a teacher and you'll continue to kind of, Hey, say, Hey, they're teaching something. Let me go see what they're about. And I love that. I love that the people, like, I feel like we're already like preaching to the choir. Like the people who are here are already committed to saying, I love this and I want to be the best possible I can. So let me continue to get better on a practical level. I do in my heart of hearts believe whether that's Justin and I or somebody else that flashes an apprentice based knowledge. Hmm. It is very, very hard to just look at something, a, a YouTube clip or, or a diagram online and go rock it out. You need really? somebody to come alongside you and go, I know you're almost there. This happens every time in our live workshops. We say, break out and go run these drills as groups, groups of three. And people come back to me and they go, Mary, it's still so flashy. I don't like it. And I go, hey, let's move your umbrella a little closer. Let's make it feel like a larger light source. And the very next shot, you watch their faces change where there's this moment of, I took that. I did that. I took that image. And it's a high and a light bulb moment that I will never get tired of. So whether it's us or somebody else, I would say find a teacher that speaks to you and come alongside them as an apprentice and learn. Yeah, I love that. I think that, I've, man, I've said this so many times, there's no um, silver bullets uh, in our industry in terms of this thing that's just going to magically like click and everything's going to be perfect. But the closest thing, I don't know what kind of color we want to go, bronze bullet, who knows, is going to be learning <laughs> from other people who've come before you, um, yeah. who've made the mistakes, who can shortcut it, and and flashes 100% one of those things. Um, and, and get, like, just... just like go like balls to the wall, like go buy flash, go get some weird little curly Q cable and like a reflector <laughs> and just start like doing stuff. Not when you're paid though. Um, right. Just go like, I don't recommend the curly Q. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just telling you the course of action that I took back in like, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, 2010. Um, yeah. I said that like it was a really long time ago and it actually wasn't, I guess like way back when, 
OG. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys, this has been so great. Okay, so um, Justin, Mary, where can people, um, again, I'll have stuff in the show notes, but where can people find you online uh, to learn more about what you do, to see more of your work, and where can they begin? Because I know you've got some stuff that you're doing this week. Where can they go and learn more directly from you guys? Yeah, so you could go, you could check out our website, which is justinandmarywedings.com. We also have our blog, justinandmarryblog.com. And then all of our educational stuff, um, whether it be, uh, PDFs or, um, or some of some of the courses that we're coming out with, you can find at jmtheguide.com. Yeah, but for the lighting course specifically for learning, for, we have next week, we're going to have four different, uh, air times for, you know, we, we know people work, we know people, um, have day jobs, we know they have kids or whatever it is. So we actually put together four different times on, uh, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Um, so, so I think that's going to be tonight at 8 p.m. Maybe, uh, Thursday we have a couple times and I'm going to mess this up if I try to name them. There's like a morning and an afternoon. And then we also have a Friday time. And so you can find all those different times. Um, if you go to that link that I think will be in the show notes Perfect. and then you can check out information on the course itself at jmlightingcourse.com. Love it. You guys, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. I know this has been a crazy week going from United to, to the workshops that you're going to be doing. Um, so it just means the world. I know you're committed to this industry, committed to, uh, to photographers, uh, commit to each other, committed to your clients. Um, again, I, I said to start, you're an inspiration to me and, and apart from just photography, right? Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you guys go check this out. Um, uh, there's so much to learn from, from these two. So, uh, Justin, Mary, thanks again for, for spending time with me today. Oh, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Seriously, we so appreciate it. Yeah. All right. We'll talk soon, guys. I hope that you guys gained as much value from that as I did having the chance to interview them. We just began to touch the tip of the iceberg when talking about lighting, but my encouragement is go down in the show notes, take a look at the blog posts, take a look at the diagrams, take a look at the visuals that Justin and Mary have put together for you guys. This is really a fun thing when you start thinking about off-camera lighting in a way that isn't all about the off-camera lighting and is more about creating a balanced image that captures the emotion and tells a really genuine story for your couples. As you were listening to this, you may have noticed us engage with a live audience. And so just so you guys know, every single weekday, Monday through Friday, I go live on uh, the Six Figure Photography Facebook page for Six Figure Live, where I bring you guys behind the scenes at what we're up to at Style and Story Creative. And just to get you inside my head a little bit, to give you some inspiration, some motivation to kick off your week. And so please come and join me live uh, at Six Figure Photography's Facebook page. Leave me a comment. Drop me a line. Uh, say hi. I would love to actually get a chance uh, to, to build a relationship with you guys, talk to you, uh, to care for you guys, answer your questions and help you out in a more direct way. So we'll see you guys there on Facebook at Six Figure Photography. There's over 86 episodes already waiting for you guys to watch. Cheers, everyone.